friends, listeners, my name is Cassandra, and you are tuning in to my first ever podcast, Cassandra Captioned. This will be my first episode. I'm so thrilled to have you, and hopefully we will stay on this journey together. Now, I know you may not know anything about me, but um, just a few things about me. I am a two-time cancer warrior. I'm an INFJ. I have this weird INFJ thing, which is a truth filter, and my mind loves to constantly put together patterns. I am what many would consider to be a truther. Um, I like to dig, dig for information. I don't like to just take what is given to me. I like to dig, oftentimes find the origin into things. A lot of what I come across will probably not be received well. Um, It definitely will not be popular. But I am here not to make friends and not to follow trends. I am here to just keep it real. Um, An interesting life I have led, very amazing obstacles I've overcome, and very profound um, spiritual experiences in my life. I am ready to share a lot of that with you. So, Let's do this. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. So in this episode, we are specifically going to be talking about Jacob Blake, um, the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, We are specifically going to be getting into Breonna Taylor's um, newly released evidence and report. I have gone through that report, so um, we are going to go through that report together. Thirdly, got to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. He has become a popular subject of discussion. Lots of opinions surrounding... um, this 17-year-old, is he a hero? Is he not a hero? And yada, yada. Um, then I, I want to be going into, as I believe all of this really does kind of tie into Black Lives Matter, and there's a lot of things that um, I would tie into this movement with these subjects. Um, going to get into some of their mission statements, um, what they have you know, professed publicly that they aim at doing, Um, And some interesting stuff about the three women founders. And last but not least, I'm going to bring on my beloved, my beloved mother. Her and I had a very interesting and very, very not pleasant experience last week at my pool with a family. And, uh, whoa, that was a first. And after that incident, we just knew that there's just some things that we need to talk about. And it ties in as well. So let's get right into it. Starting right along with Jacob Blake. Now, if you haven't heard of the Jacob Blake incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I am going to break it down for you in just a moment. But someone did come out and publish that he was breaking up a fight and I heard that from a few sources so somebody came out with that and ran with it 
and a lot of other people ran with it, and the narrative was that Jacob Blake was breaking up a fight. Jacob Blake was not breaking up a fight. That is completely false. Now, getting into kind of the background of what happened, um, I guess it was his ex-girlfriend. Must have been his ex-girlfriend. Someone that I used to talk to um, had called the police because this man, according to her, showed up at her home at 6 a.m. while she was in bed with her kids. He fingered her without consent. Now, this is, this is her testimony. And he thought that she had been with men, so apparently that's the reason why he took her car and her keys and then drove away. Now, according to this woman, this man has sexually assaulted her a couple or several times a year for a decade. And when this man came back to her house, by the way, it was while she had a restraining order on him. He was not supposed to be at that home. So let's keep that in mind for a little bit of background. And I'm going to go into some more background here in a second. Um, now, there was a kind of an initial video. I think people were following a clip that was shown um, where, you know, he was asked to not get in the car. You can hear his girlfriend saying, no, 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 stop. And he's literally, she's telling him, don't open the door. Um, the police officer grabs his shirt and is trying to tell him, do not open that door. He opens the door and he gets shot in the back seven times. After that clip, I was able to see another clip from another angle. And you can clearly see this man wrestling with these police officers, okay? He is wrestling with these police officers. He was tased and tackled, and he looked like he was walking around with a knife. Now, there's been some shots taken of this thing that was in his hand. Some people think they know exactly what kind of knife it is. I have not got a straight-up confirmation on that, but he was walking around with something in his hand, and it very much, to me, looked like a knife. Um, not only that, apparently he put police in a headlock as well. Um, so you can cl clearly see... Um, him wrestling with these police officers, he's getting tackled for good reason, and he's walking around the car, and these officers are following him around when he should be complying. Now, everybody knows you comply. I mean, if you want to be safe, if you want to, like, be the most careful, you comply. Um, now, a lot of the argument, I'm hearing so many arguments on this, so many, you know, and the reason why I'm, I'm really think that this is something to talk about is because there was like a whole other round of protests over this man, rioting and looting and arson and random violence against random people in the name of this man, okay? So that's why I really do think that this is relevant to be open to discussion on this, um, but one of the arguments that I've heard said is, you know, my God, he was in front of his children. Like, they didn't have to shoot him seven times and this and this and this. Which, I'm sure, maybe that police officer did not need to shoot him seven times. Um, but I think 
the reason why a lot of people are coming out and saying, well, you know, you play stupid games, win stupid prizes is because, you know, I don't think people want cities burnt up for this man. You know what I mean? I mean, this could have easily been avoided. There's a lot of frustration when it comes to this all the way around. Um, it's speaking on another side of it, because I, I know we've heard a lot of grief, I guess, arguments, um, kind of encouraging Black Lives Matter and, you know, people saying, you know, why did they shoot him seven times? It was in front of his children. It was in front of his kids, you know, things like this. And they're using this as motivation um, to continue the rounds of chaos in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I know a lot of that has been helped out recently by the National Guard, thank goodness, because innocent people are having their businesses busted in. Um, and of course, you know, you've, I've heard of Black Lives Matter a supporter say, a couple of them say, oh, well, who cares because they have insurance. Well, when this is something that people have possibly worked their whole lives toward, it doesn't matter if they have insurance. They're losing possibly very, very valuable valuables that they will never get back. Um, a lot of times it takes a very long time for the insurance to kick in. I mean, these are, these are people's livelihoods. Um, so, you know, more about that in a minute, but getting back to this, um, okay, so, yeah, and by the way, I don't, I don't really understand how he drove away with the car and then, and then you see him with a car that had children in it. So how that came to be, I'm not exactly sure, but if this man is so concerned about children, I'm not really sure why he put them in that position in the first place. So that takes me to a little bit of the background. Um, this man's records were exposed, how they usually are. And he was a career criminal, a career criminal, okay? He had an active warrant for felony sexual assault of a 14-year-old. Um, he had was arrested for, you know, aiming a gun at people. Um, this man is a career criminal. Getting back to what this lady told the police. Um, yeah, apparently he had been sexually assaulting her for a decade. Okay. So one of his victim's aunt, and this could very possibly be the 14-year-old. I didn't quite gather that, but she said... And this is from the New York Post that he should have been shot 50 times for what he did to her niece. And then this is not verbatim, but, you know, she's glad that he is not dead and that he will have to suffer in prison. <clears throat> so, you know, um, sexual assault is a really, really big deal. It's very hard to come out of sexual assault. Now, I was sexually abused as a child, so just with how long it took me to deal with that, I can't even imagine being raped, okay? Um, it just takes a long, it changes your life. So 
I completely understand why the victim's aunt would say something like that. Rape is just one of the things that I just infuriates me. I mean, it just, I feel there should be much harsher punishment for rape. So none of this um, explains away what happened in this situation. So let's just, you know, kind of put some things into perspective. He was, not only was he not complying, he was doing a horrible job complying. Horrible. He could have easily had a weapon on his floorboard, and it was confirmed later, I believe, that he by the police that he did have a weapon on his floorboard. I don't know if it was a knife or if it was a gun. But he was asked multiple times to not open that door. And like Brandon Tatum said, officer, the officer Tatum, who I love, who I got to meet, I saw him in my face. I was so excited. Anyways, he said, um, you know, he was not going in there to get a lollipop. He was not reaching in his car to write a cute note and say, thank you, officer. You know what I mean? Um, so the officer, you can see him pulling on his shirt, clearly trying to not get him to open that door. Now, here's my other argument. For a man who has sexually assaulted children, for a man who has been charged with domestic abuse, I believe more than once, when you put children in a domestic abuse situation with how more highly sensitive they are and in their development stages, seven and younger is when trauma really, really sticks and affects your life for years to come. If these children were ever in a domestic abuse situation, he couldn't have cared about those children a whole lot because that really affects children's lives. So, you know, I understand, yes, he was in front of his children, this and this and that, but can you please put some things into perspective here? Because if this man really cared about children, why did he go into this man, this woman's house unannounced while she's in bed with her children and finger her without her consent. Are you kidding me? Children can sense when their mother is scared. Children can sense when there's an enemy in the room. So, you know, I just don't buy that. I don't buy it. Yeah, he was shot in front of his children, and I feel very I feel very bad for those kids. And I hope they start getting counseling early. I hope they meet Jesus because they're going to need they're going to need him after this. Um Another problem that I have with some of the arguments is there's no way that you can prove that this was racially motivated. There is absolutely no way that you can prove that this was racially motivated. And let's just keep it real for a second. If people did not think this was racially motivated, they would not be taking to the streets in Kenosha, Wisconsin, okay? If this happened to a white man, they would not be taking to the streets. They would not be setting things on fire. They would not be busting open car windows and busting cars and dealership if this was a white man. So apparently, a lot of people ran with this and are probably assuming that, wow, this officer shot this man because he was black. But... What we need to realize, and whether you realize it or not, what I think that we need to realize is that 
we have a big problem on our hands right now when it comes to this movement and all the riots and looting and arson and violence that has, hap that has happened all over this country. And it seems to really break out every time Black Lives Matter is trending. This is what is relevant right now. This is what is something that I want to try and stave off. So when you say, well, why did they have to come out with this record? You know, they didn't do that with Kyle Rittenhouse, which actually, you know, his record, I'm pretty sure, is public as well. I mean, they have come out with his record. But it's because, I can tell you why. It's because people aren't burning a city over this man. People didn't go bash people's heads in over this guy, Kyle, okay? So my question is, are you complicit now? Are you only going to talk about, oh, it's another police officer shooting a black man and not even talk about the other side of the coin, not talk about the details, not talk about how it could have easily been avoided? When you don't talk about that and we have a country being destroyed, I think you might be a little complicit. Are you complicit in this? Are you complicit in the real big issue that's at hand right now? We have taken one issue and made a whole other issue. And last but not least, and this is all I'm going to say on this dude. This man could have easily reached into that car and shot those children. This man could have easily reached in that car and put those children in danger. The police officer doesn't know that. The police officer does not know that. And it takes one second to reach in, grab it, boom. Um, so enough with this segment. Let's move on. There are a lot of victims that have been made martyrs that have been used as an excuse to go in cities and destroy cities and go up into people's faces and ask them to hold up the fist and this and this and this. And, but one of those victims is Brianna Taylor. And you will hear her name mentioned a lot. Justice for Brianna, justice for Brianna, say her name, say her name. We had lawmakers coming out of the DNC that were surrounded on all sides, and people were asking her to say people to say her name. Rand Paul, who I have the utmost respect for, actually made a bill in her name having to do with no-knock warrants. Um, I bet these, these people didn't know that. These people that attacked this man when he came out of the RNC, they didn't know that. I can, I'm, I'm sure they didn't know that. And a lot, this, this, you can see this one man keeps calling him Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, say her name. So he wants her to say her name even though he doesn't even know his name. Are you kidding me? And I'm glad he didn't say her name because this has all morphed into something completely different. And I'll get more into that. But 
since a lot of people want a lot of other people to say her name, I want to get into some evidence that was uh, released. And I got the report from um, the Officer Tatum on YouTube. He has the Tatum report. You can go on the internet, find the Tatum report. The report is all there. So I don't want to spend a whole, whole lot of time on this. And I wrote a little sloppy, so I'm going to try and give you what I got. So when it comes to Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor was with, in my opinion, a grade A douchebag. I'm sure she probably did not consider him a douchebag, but I know that she considered that she was getting herself into trouble. Now, on this report, there were, I believe it was four houses that were being tracked by, by the uh, government, by the CIA, no, by the government. I'm not sure if it's the FBI or the police. Um, starting on December 31st, there was a microcell on this one street called Elliott Street, two houses on Elliott Street. Um, and then there was like two more houses, I believe, that were being tracked. Okay, one of those houses ended up being Brianna's residence. Um, so... Brianna was with this guy, and I think at the time they weren't together anymore, but they were still close. Like, she was still making her money. She was making her money off of this deal that was going on, which is why these houses were being um, surveilled. So, these houses are being surveilled. Um, these cars are being surveilled. Brianna Taylor's car is being used quite a few times at one of the houses that was under surveillance. Um, there was also another car that was being used a lot that was also linked to narcotics trafficking in Mississippi as well. Um, so yeah, these were four addresses. On February the 6th, there was a subpoena for bank records. So I, I didn't write this down, but I'm like 90% positive Brianna was on some of those bank records. Um, and then, like I said, her car was being used at one of those residence that was, residences that, that were being tracked. On February the 14th, Valentine's Day, whoop, whoop, um, which I don't really care for very much. Um, this, this red charger that did not belong to Brianna because Brianna's was a black charger. It got towed. And this guy, Jamarcus, which was her, I believe, ex-boyfriend, the one that they were really, really tracking was Jamarcus. He filed a complaint on the officer, and he gave Brianna's number for the contact. And he was using her address as his residence, okay? Now, when I read this, this immediately, ding, 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 douchebag. Ding, 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 narcissist. I think only a narcissist man would... Put her in harm's way that way using her address. Why would he use her address? And I wonder if she even knew. He strikes me as the type of dude that probably didn't even tell her that he gave her number for contact and her address. So, so going down the timeline some more. Let's see. Crack. 
fentanyl and more evidence of narcotics trafficking was recovered at one of these houses. Um, it was not Brianna's house. I believe it was um, one of the trap houses or Jamarcus's house. Um, and then where did the rest of these notes go? Yikes. On March 13th, there were finally search warrants um, produced for all of these addresses. So on March 13th, so this is about two months of surveilling this traffic. Then on March 13th, search warrants were conducted. Um, and here we go. This is what's going to get kind of in the, into the meat of the story a little bit. Okay, so on the night that this all went down, or day, I'm not sure if it was night or day, the police showed up to the Springfield residence, one of the houses that was also being surveilled, which was where Brianna resided, um, as there was traffic to this home as well. So according to phone call transcripts, the man that was with Brianna Taylor was Kenneth Walker. This was apparently the guy that she was talking to at the time. And according to Kenneth Walker, the cops banged loudly on the door. They banged loudly on the door. And Kenneth opened the door. I guess he had thought that they were being robbed or something. He opened the door and shot at the police. The police returned fire. Brianna had come into the hallway asking who it was. And as the police returned fire, it hit Brianna. And unfortunately, she passed away from the, from the damage. Um, there was not a no-knock warrant. This is what a, a lot of people said, and I'm not even sure where it came from. There was not a no-knock warrant on this resident. And she was not sleeping. So I've heard from quite a few angles. I don't remember where from, but, you know, they shot her while she was sleeping. They shot her while she was sleeping. She was not sleeping. She was shot in the hallway after her boyfriend at the time shot back at the police. Not smart. Never smart. Not smart. Okay? If that didn't happen, Brianna would probably be alive. Um, and then going into no-knock warrants, no-knock warrants are conducted many times so that the, the perpetrators don't have time to prepare. They don't have time to throw the drugs out. They don't have time to escape. You just don't knock. You get in. You get your evidence. You get out. Now, if this actually was a no-knock warrant, Brianna Taylor might still be alive, okay? But what I gathered from these phone transcripts is that she was knee-deep in this narcotics operation. She was knee-deep. She was getting her money, okay? Jamarcus many times would say, Brianna got her money. She always got her stuff. She handled a lot of the money. Um, she was in this game. And then according to the phone transcripts, her mom was apparently, I don't even know what I did with those notes, part of the No Limit crew, the No Limit crew, and apparently they rode hard. Like, they were in this stuff for a while, okay? Um, 
I don't know what I did with that part, but you know, uh, let's see, Brianna's mom was in No Limit Crew then. There was a convo about Brie handling all the money, 15 grand. I think she had about 15 grand at that point. Um, and you you can hear in one of the, one of the, uh, I don't know if it was a phone call transcript or what, but she knew that she was in trouble. I mean, she knew that she was playing with fire. She was playing with fire. So, you know, some someone else that has been held up as a martyr and has been used as, as you know, encouragement for this movement is this woman, um, Brianna Taylor. Let's see, what else was I going to say? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have on that. Candace Owens came out about a couple weeks ago, probably now, maybe three, and she went down a kind of a, a list going down George Floyd's um, criminal record, and she got a lot of backlash for that. But she was making a point of some books that she had read, and I think one of them was Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell, S-O-O-W-E-L-L. I very much respect this man. And he was saying that the difference between the black community and a lot of other communities is that black people tend to hold up thugs as martyrs. Um, I don't think her point was to go and shame this guy and say, oh, well, who cares that he died? Candace Owens, and nobody agrees with what apparently happened, what we saw on camera happen, whether it was staged or not staged. Nobody agrees with that. Nobody agrees with a police officer acting in that way when it was not even um, warranted. Of course, there was a clip that came out from before that where he was also doing a very bad job complying. And you could tell that he must have been on drugs. Um, But regardless, um, the point was just to show that she didn't understand and I don't understand why black communities, not everybody, but a lot of people hold up thugs as martyrs. Um, And she said that is the difference between our community and other race communities. Um, And that was her point. And I think it was a great point to make because it's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. We can see it. We can see it. All right, so then we have Kyle Rittenhouse. All right, all right, all right. Guys, if you are still with me, guys and gals, I want to give you a big hug right now. Just imagine some arms coming out, just giving you a big hug. Thank you for joining me on my first podcast episode. So Kyle Rittenhouse, I don't think he's a stranger to anyone that's listening right now. Um... 17-year-old who crossed state lines, about a 20-minute drive, I believe it was, carrying, I believe it was an AK-47, strapped to his chest, and uh, according to some frame-by-frame that I, I saw, and I actually broke it down, I have an Instagram, it's called Cassandra Captioned, it's the same title as this podcast. You can find it on Instagram, and I believe it's about four or five posts down. I took frame, I took a video, and I kind of edited, edited it, edited it, edited it, edited it, edited it, yikes. 
and just made it a little more short and sweet and you can see clips of what happened. So according to some earlier clips, you can see him being kind of interviewed and he says that he came to help a business. He came to, um, you know, guard a business. He came to defend a business that he was affiliated with. Um, and he said he also came to help people that needed help. He brought his medical kit and he wants to just be there in case people need help. Now, speaking for myself, I highly commend that. I think it's honorable. I know he may just be 17 years old, but we have dragged our youth into some weird stuff. I mean, we used a, a young girl to preach to us about climate change. Um, well, not we, but, you know, we've dragged our youth into some things. We have dragged our youth into these riots, into this looting. Um, and, you know, who, who is going to tell a 17-year-old that he can't want to protect a business when businesses are being destroyed? Um, I think it was like family of his or something, but it was something that he was apparently affiliated with. Um, so going kind of through the frame by frame a little bit, the first guy that he shot, you can see him on, on a clip saying, you know, you better kill me, nigga, you better kill me, nigga. I mean, he's saying that like this guy is ready for trouble. I mean, who says that? First of all, who says that he is ready for trouble, um, yeah, so he's he's you know he's kind of like coming up to the camera, going through the crowd a little bit. You can see it on my Instagram, Cassandra captioned, um, and it just clearly looks like he's looking for trouble. Okay. Now I don't know what occurred between these two people, but in the next clip you can see this man is vehemently chasing Kyle Rittenhouse, and Kyle Rittenhouse is vehemently running away from him if vehemently is the word to use here. Because <laughs> if it's not, just insert the right one. Um, he is like super running away from this guy. Running, running, running. Finally, it looks like he's kind of trapped in, in a tighter kind of space beside a truck. You can tell, I mean, he's slightly cornered, you know. This man, well, before he got cornered, he threw something at him. Some people say it was a Molotov cocktail. I don't believe that's been confirmed. We don't know what this man threw at Kyle Rittenhouse, but he threw something at him, okay? Then, like, he kind of ran into what looked like a dealership, so he couldn't keep running at that point. Well, Kyle shot this man, and this is the one that I believe died. This man was apparently a convicted pedophile. So Kyle effectively killed a pedophile. Um, what happened there? Was that incident self-defense? You know what? It arguably could have been, in my opinion. Um, is he going to be charged for that particular instance? I'm not sure. But after that man died and he called the police, immediately called the police, did his part, and then he got the hell out of Dodge. At least he tried to because he knew that people were going to come after him. 
So then, you know, next thing you know, you've got people running after this guy. You've got at least 10 people running after Kyle and he is running like the Dickens. He is running like the Dickens, y'all. And um, one of these men has a gun in his hand. You can clearly see if you watch all these clips that he was doing his best to be tolerant. He was doing his best to get away from these people and not have to use his gun. At one point, um, I don't know if he fell on the floor. Um, Someone had kicked his face. Someone had kicked his head. Okay. He shot. Someone tried to bash his head in with a skateboard. He shot. I don't know if it's the, which one of the guys actually tried to take his gun from his hand. They tried to take his gun from him. That is a no-no, okay? Um, And the other man actually had a gun on him and he was advancing on him. He was getting closer. This boy, this 17-year-old boy, he would have died. He had no effing chance if he did not have that gun on him and if he did not know how to use it. And that, that, those last clips, that was clearly, clearly self-defense. That is what the Second Amendment is for. If there is a chance that you are going to die, if there is a small chance that you could lose your life and you're the one being attacked, you have every right to shoot and defend your life. Now, I've heard a lot of arguments like, well, he was 17 years old. He should not have been crossing state lines to incite violence. Okay, well, it looks like that's been that's become the culture here, has it not? Are a lot of people from Wisconsin and New Jersey or New York and Baltimore, are a lot of people not responsible for literally crossing state lines to incite violence? This has become the culture here. So when something is now relevant... What are you now going to do about it? Well, it looks like Kyle knew what he now wanted to do about it. And he decided to do something about it. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if he was a year less than 18 or three under 21. When you want to do something, you want to do something. You're not going to wait till you turn 18. That wouldn't have been happening in Wisconsin when he's 18. Hopefully not. You know what I'm saying? Um... It was very obvious that this man was trained in how to use a gun. Now, um, he does have someone representing him for free because what he did is constitutionally defendable. Regardless of the state laws, regardless of of him taking a 20-minute trip, regardless of all that, he is defended by the United States Constitution. Now, the other thing was like, oh, God, well, yeah, well, he just walked in front of the police cars and he didn't get arrested like blah because he was white. Dude, first of all, he walked toward the police with his hands in the air, ready to comply. Okay, he even called in that shot. But the police can't just all of a sudden arrest him. They didn't see anything happen. They showed up on the scene to gather what was happening. It was not time to take this man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was not time to... Just pull over and get this guy. Um, this is not the same situation. This cannot be compared. These are two completely different 
situations. How do the police know what really happened when there's literally chaos all around? Chaos all around. Um, people say, well, you know, why did they show what's-his-face's record they didn't show? Because there's a clear difference. Because there's people frustrated at the fact of what people are doing to their cities. And they're caught in the crosshairs. And they're doing it over instances like this that could have easily been avoided. That is why people are talking about his record. Not because they're glad that this man died, but because why are you marching over this? Why are you making this man a martyr? Um, as far as I'm concerned, Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. And, you know, I'm not here to appease anybody. If you agree with me, that's cool. If you don't agree with me, that's cool. Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. And yes, he will probably get off because he's constitutionally defended. Moving on. All right. Looks like I got connected with my mom, Teresa. Hey, mom. What's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. So you are on my podcast, Cassandra Captioned. And I wanted to bring you on because we both had an interesting experience at my pool the other day. And um, we've never been in that kind of situation before. Very interesting situation. And the reason I'm bringing this onto the show is because, in my opinion, it ties in with um, the subject of the show. So if you don't mind, will you please give me, give the listeners um, an idea of what happened? Sorry, hold on. There's drag racers going by. Um, yeah, um, well, it was last Sunday, about uh, two or three o'clock. Went to Cassandra's pool, was enjoying my day, uh, entered the pool with uh, some pool noodles, passed them off to the kids that were in the pool, um, just enjoyed and relaxed for about an hour and a half with Cassandra's friend until Cassandra came down from her apartment. Her apartment is right above the pool, having a great day. As soon as Cassandra came down, again, this was last Sunday. As soon as Cassandra came down to the pool, uh, we sat and uh, took some selfies, Cassandra and I and her friend Lala. Just just relaxing. The pool's a nice pool. They have really comfortable, you know, uh, lounge chairs with cushions. We were really just relaxing. Then a few minutes later, we uh, sat by the pool. Cassandra laid by the pool trying to get a tan. Lala and I were sitting there, had our music on. And just Mom, do, you mind if I, do you mind if I interject you really quick? Sure. No, not at all. So I came down to the pool about four something. I'm trying to get the last of the sun. We are just chilling at the at yes. one, one particular corner of the pool. Before I, lay, before I laid down, um, I'm just sitting at the edge of the pool and there's Correct. all these kids and they're doing cannonball, cannonballs, cannon cannonballs, I think is what it yes, is. Yes, that's right, correct. Right behind my mom. Now, I understand they want to be in the shallow end and there's a step there, but there's literally about six, seven more feet. They could move over at least a foot or two to not completely splash us the whole time. And mind well, you, we're trying to drink our drinks and everything. Um, so I just kind of want to just rewind a little bit. I wasn't yet laying by the pool yet. I was still, I was in the pool still. 
totally getting splashed and it was starting to tick me off a little bit. Well, and, and, and prior to that, the children that were in the pool, there was about probably eight or nine kids in the pool of African-American heritage. Let's just put that out there. And we were all, you know, they were, they were nice. I gave them pool noodles right when I got there. They weren't using them correctly. They were like whipping them around and hitting their other brothers and sisters or whomever they were with them. I actually went in the pool after I gave them to them and showed them how to use the pool noodles. Like, you know, put one under your, you know, like ride it like a horsey or whatever so that they wouldn't like whip them around, hit kids with them. But for about an hour and a half before you came down, everything was great. The kids were playing, whatever. As soon as you came down, you sat by the pool. We got a, all of us got a little glass of wine. We put our music out. And immediately thereafter, these kids started going on that little ledge, about six inches of water, where they put the lounge chairs at the pool and jumping and doing, uh, doing cannonballs, trying to splash us and, um, I think Bother. they're cannonballs. I think I said that right. I think they're cannon bombs. I, I, either way, yeah. And and it was it was very very bizarre. So during the time they were doing that, I remember I was facing you and Lala at on the stairs of the pool. My back was to them, and I just kept feeling water on my back. And I and I remember kept talking to you and saying, Cassandra, just. Don't let them know you're bo- they're, that they're bothering you. Because, you know, that's my, that's my motto. Don't ever let anybody know they're bothering you, you know? Yeah. And I, don't, I really don't, ever, don't ever let them see you sweat. That's my motto. And that's so, something you always drummed into me. Yes. And so I was facing you and Lala. At, you know, you were, you were looking at the pool. I was looking at you. My back to them. And I kept saying to you, Cassandra, just don't let them know that they're, that they're bothering you, that they'll stop. They'll stop. If we let them know that they're bothering us, they'll keep it up. Well, that didn't freaking work, you know? So then after about 30 minutes of this, I turned around and faced them. And I thought, well, maybe if I look them in the eye, they'll stop. They were deliberately trying to uh, irritate us and splash us with water. We had our phones there. We had our speakers there. Um, And you know what, Cassandra, during this, I should have looked and and saw it. Are are these things even allowed at the pool, like cannonballs, diving or whatever? Because it was very shallow, right? Yeah. And mind you, real quick, um, you know, uh, at one point, the oldest daughter, the big bone daughter, was about to do another cannonball right by my mother, <clears throat> not holding back at all, ready to make a huge run for it and bomb right beside us again. Totally rude. Right. Totally rude. There's a thin line between playing as a kid and then just being completely rude and you need some home training. And, right. and, the, and, and just to finish this quick point real, real quick, at first I was – trying to be as nice as possible. I know, I, I know. Before this big bone chick had jumped, I said, wait, wait. I was like, do you mind just scooting over a foot, please? We're getting soaked over here. Um, we're trying to enjoy ourselves. So she scooted over at that particular instance. And a little boy was about to do the same thing. And I said, would you mind just scooting over a foot? And mind you, this mother is watching the whole time. She knows what her children are doing. She knows that we are annoyed by it. And mm-hmm. she knows that it is rude. And when it comes to my mom and I, we are very intuitive and we are very discerning. This mother knew the whole time that her kids were being extremely rude. Okay, keep going. 
Okay, so we're we're using the mother the word mother loosely because I don't think this was this person Actually, this woman was, the was their mother. So when that when when I first got to the pool, there was a couple. It was a man and a woman, off way far away. They were relaxing, and it was like nine kids. And then about an hour in before you came down, this other woman shows up. She was the instigator. I saw her actually call the kids over to the other side of the pool and talk to them. And they all started coming back and doing this. So and when they all came of back, that, all of that, you know, they're, and then I turned around. I started looking them in them in the face. I thought, well, I'll just turn around, look them at the face because these are the same kids that when I got to the pool, I gave them two pool noodles. And one young boy was standing at the side of the pool right when I got there. And he goes, I didn't get a pool noodle. I said, well, hold on a minute. I got my keys. I walked all the way out to the parking lot, walked all the way to my car. I said, hold on a minute. I got another pool noodle in the car. I only brought two, but I've got another. I went and got it, came back, gave it to him. All right. So everything's fine until you came down and we sat by the pool. That for some reason, this lady, again, I use that word loosely, did not like us. She got these kids that I was kind to to instigate something on us, okay? That girl was determined to upset us, to instigate something, and to eventually assault us. Um, during this whole time, um, I tried to keep you calm, Cassandra, and that, you know, that was, that wasn't hard, you know, just like Cassandra, you know, just remember, you know, what I've always taught you, da, 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 but it was getting to a point that it was, um, unbearable, um, it was embarrassing for them, in my opinion, um, they were was. doing it purposely, and so, Finally, oh, and then we thought, well, let's just play some praise and worship music on our, you know, we had some, a really good speaker there. And Cassandra, Cassandra, you said, let's, let's play praise and worship music. Maybe that will help. So we put that on loud. We could hardly even, we could hardly even hear our music for their, for their splashing and screaming. Yeah. And, and real quick, I was hoping that would get them to leave. Um, And just for a little bit of background, they'd been down at the pool since 11 in the morning. You know, I heard them since I woke up that morning. And, and also real quick, at one point I went and stood on the ledge that they were jumping from. And I said to them, I said, do you know that we're all created equal in the eyes of God? Right. And they're like, and I was like, you know, we're all created equal in the eyes of God because I just felt as if, they didn't think that we were equal. Like they yes. were like against us for our race. Yes. And that is just what I was feeling in the moment. And I know that you picked up on that as well. Yeah. And then, you know, it got to a point where these children were purposely trying to make our experience at the pool very unpleasant. And but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't them. And I, and but here, it but was the them, thing. but it, it was them, but it's because of their home training but regardless, yeah. regardless, the children made that decision. Yes, they did. Regardless, regardless of their home training, it is the mother's fault, ultimately. Yes. It is, it is whoever and I'm is not even sure their children. mother was there. It is whoever is raising those children. That's yeah. where the problem ultimately lies. Yep. But these children knew exactly what they were doing. Yes, they did. And they took it upon themselves to do it. And if you can make that decision, then you can take 
you can take it. And I finally started telling these children, could you please stop? That is extremely rude. That is extremely rude. I mean, it got so bad that they didn't I, care. I couldn't, I couldn't. They yeah. didn't care. Keep going. And so I really don't want to talk much more about it, except for the fact that, um, you know, you, you went to them and you, and you said that, and then you actually said, uh, also you said how, uh, the, you know, the scripture treat others as you would oh, want to be treated. You, others, you would have others doing um, and you wouldn't like anybody doing this to you. Yeah. And that, and now we're about an hour into this and we actually got out of the pool and, and stepped away a little bit onto our lounge chairs and they all lined up about eight or nine kids and this woman, whoever she was, and stood at the edge of the pool two feet from us and splashed us with their hands, just kept splashing us, completely soaked our chairs, soaked our electronics, soaked every, soaked us. And so it escalated from there. At one point I did ask you, I said, Cassandra, should we call the apartment complex? And you said, I don't think they'll do anything. And I want to say something about that because you have had such bad experiences with that apartment complex that you felt seriously that they wouldn't do anything. I did. And because they, they don't respond, they have lack security. They don't respond. They probably wouldn't have came. And if they did, these people would have probably already be gone. And so you said, eh, what, what's the, what's the thing at that point? We also should have called the police. We have a really good yeah. friend that's in the ministry with us. And he said, you should have called the police at that point. We were being so harassed that it didn't even occur to me to call the police. And he said, yeah. you should have, because these kids at that point, when the police showed up, would have had something to answer to. They would have had somebody they would have had. He said, because if it, because they got away with what they did, these kids got away with what they did. And that's the saddest part. It broke yeah. my heart. They got away with what they did. And so I don't know how long from now, six months from now, a couple months from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, they're going to pay. If they keep doing this, it's, it's going to catch up with them. And I sh if we had called the police at that point, maybe at that point they would have said, hmm. So, again, I don't want to I don't want to go too, too far into this. But just a quick little thing. I got into the pool at this point. Now I'm now I'm kind of getting angry because it's been going on for a while to your listeners. This has been going on for a while. We did nothing. All we did was sit by the pool. We were harassed and and uh, whatever you want to call it for no reason, except for we were not we didn't ha not have black skin. Let's just put it out there. We're Hispanic. And, and this lady actually admitted that she was racist. She said, yeah, I'm racist. Of course, she's yelling out black lives matter. Black lives all matter. The, they, she yeah, got all I'm the racist. kids to do that. And, and she also said that we should be. That if we're sitting by the pool, we should expect to get wet. Well, yes, of course we should, but not purposely. I, and and that's it. And I'm at this point, I'm yelling at her. Your children were purposely splashing us. Purposely. Right. Don't give and me I, that children stuff. We know that children splash. I love kids right. all day long. Right. So I this went to the kids and I said, listen, kids, what did we do to you? I'm pleading with them. The woman is off to the side a little bit. They're kind of all gathered around. And I said, what did we do to you? Now, at this point, I'm screaming because now I'm ticked off. And I said, what did we do to you? And I yes. said, who in here? Which one of you kids did I give my noodles to? And I'm pointing at them. I said, didn't I give you one? And didn't I give you one? Yeah. I said, we were kind to you. Um, Cassandra, and to your listeners, it was 
something that I will never forget. And I'm going to tell you something, just a little side note. I'm a, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. Okay. And so just a little side thing. When I, all my life, because I'm a survivor of, sex, of sexual abuse, when I see a man of my heritage with little kids, the first thing I think about is, I wonder if he's abusing them. Okay. Since this happened, every time I, this is horrible and I don't like it and mm-hmm. I want to pray about it and I want to re- remove it from my, from my memory. But now for a week, Every time I see a black woman, I think to myself, oh, my God, I wonder if that's her. I wonder if she treats people that way just because they're, they're not her skin color. These things are going through my mind. I don't like that. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that ugliness and nastiness that has come into my life for no reason. I did nothing. Yeah. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And and obviously, this is not all black people either. But no, it's not. And I, I am kind of running out of time. But you you did say you know we this did bring up a couple points for us. Uh, we were sad at the end of it. We weren't sad because of what happened. I to was us. We were sad. I was so sad for those kids, and I was heartbroken, heartbroken that 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 they had to do that they felt that it was important to do this to us. Um, They're mad. Obviously these, this woman is mad. I don't know who she's mad at. She shouldn't be mad at me. I didn't do anything to her. If she's mad at all white people, then she needs to get therapy. She needs to get forgiveness. She needs to give her life to Jesus. She needs to forgive herself for her anger. And I'm going to continue to pray for those kids because years ago when I was little, when I was a child, I saw something violent in front of me at a state fair in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's affected me ever since those kids participated because they didn't want to tell this woman. No, I hope it saddens me. I'm going to pray for them. I, it, it was so unnecessary. And I'm going to pray that my mind forgets it. God has healed my hand. My hand, the woman pushed me back with force. My complete, my thumb went uh, completely out of, was dislocated. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the, the saddest thing was how sad it was and how unnecessary it was. Why couldn't, we, why couldn't we all just be by the pool? Yeah. Why did they have to come to us? Why did they have to harass us? Why? why? Um, it made no sense. This is going to tie into what I honestly believe is weaponizing historical trauma. Um, these, the, Whatever happened back in the day, that should already, people should have already healed from that. Yeah. Um, you, you should have healed from that trauma by now. But it's you a personal responsibility, man. It is a personal responsibility. And you said something significant. You said, I don't think they've forgiven us yet. I think, you know, a lot of um, black people have said, you know, you did this, you did this, you know, back in the day, you did this and this and this and this. And they want us to forgive, forgive, or they want us to like repent for our right. ancestors and whatnot. But 
it's one thing to um, repent. It's another thing to be on the other side and forgive. Right. And I think that unfortunately from propaganda, from rhetoric, from mind playing, um, well, and I and I think I think the, the black people of America need to forgive their own ancestors. I think they need to forgive the fathers okay. that have abandoned them. And there were also, you know, slave owners that were black as well. Right. I think they need to forgive the fathers that have abandoned them, the fathers that have um, caused them to have so many children. I think some of these families are angry at their children because they would rather not have them. Now, it sounds that sounds brutal. Well, listen, and this is all races, and I'm going to have to wrap this up here in a minute. Yeah. Um, I got one more um, thing to talk about, which I think goes into this um, pretty well. But, um, you know, all races, what looked to me in that instance, it very much looked like more children to get more welfare benefits. I could be wrong, but this is something that also occurs. Um you know, well, I mean, not, that's that was the democratic not, democratic platform. The more yeah, children you have, the more money you have. But yeah. again, I didn't do anything to these people. You didn't either. So, um, you know, and this this was my problem. And and by the end of everything, I'm literally going on a rant for all of my neighbors. And I became friends with the security guard, which is another kind of funny thing that happened with this. And now I know two more, two more, uh, two more. Of, I know. Two more of my neighbors, meaning two two different units. I know the neighbors and and there right. as well. So that's, that's well, all. Really just cool. a quick little thing. Let's not forget the young lady that came to the pool after this happened and after the police left. And she came to us and she said, "What happened?" And I told her. And I stood by the pool and I cried, and I said, "I'm broken hearted." She told me her name. I told her my name, and she said, "Teresa, why did they do this to you?" And I said, "I don't know." And she said, "Teresa." I've seen you here at the pool before. You've brought floats to the pool and you gave them to my son and you played with him in the pool. She said, you're a kind woman. She said, why did they do this to you? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And it breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart because they don't know me. And they don't know me. And so... I guess they felt that it was okay to attack us, even they didn't know us. And that's sad. And I understand the plight of of black people in this country. I do. But I think it's overblown. I do. Yeah. We, I love people. I love all people. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Not with my words. Not with my hands. And you wouldn't either. They attacked us. They hurt us. They didn't know us. So in their minds, they may be going, well, there you go. You're getting what we used to. We do. No, we've been trying to heal this country for years. And this country is is healed. It's getting there. We're a long way from where we used to be in this country. Absolutely. People want to keep us divided. And that's what caused this is a party in this country wanting to keep us divided. And that's what these people were doing. They started, all of them started screaming at one point, Black Lives Matter. They had nothing to do with what we were doing. Spraying the flames. So it, it was just, it was just propaganda crap. And we were victims of it. It's okay. We're healed. We're better for it. We're, 
It, it, you know, the only thing that 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 hurts me is every time I see a black woman now, I'm wondering, wow. Yeah. I wonder if she's attacked anybody at the pool. I don't like that. I don't want to think yeah. that. Yeah. But well, I do Mom, think it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Um, love having you as a guest. Hopefully I'll have you again and um, we will talk soon. I love you. I love you too, babe. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. So I'm going to try and wrap this, this show up with just a little bit of commentary on the Black Lives Matter movement, including the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, what I honestly see this is as I, what I honestly see this as is weaponizing historical trauma. And, um, you know, there's been a debate of, you know, uh, oh, if your house is on fire, you don't go and, and say, oh, well, all the other houses are on fire too. Or, you know, oh, well, let's go help all the other houses. I think that's a really silly thing that's floating around social media. Because when one person's house is on fire, you go and help that house. And then when another person's house is on fire, you also go and help that house. Um, you don't just start looting cities because one particular house is on fire because that house is black or whatever. Or, um, you know, people are like, then that's their argument against all lives matter. But as you know, many people have pointed out before, this is no longer um, their movement. Whoever, if somebody started this out with good intentions, it is no longer that. This has been taken over by George Soros. This is, this is an arm of the Democratic Party, and it's a propaganda arm of Antifa. Um, so... And unfortunately, when Black Lives Matter is trending, a bunch of people all of a sudden become racist because they, whoever doesn't want to participate in that hashtag, which is, you know, people say, oh, well, it's separate. Well, I don't agree. It's all the same thing. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like to participate in that because they know it's been taken over by George Soros. They know it's propaganda. They know what happens when Black Lives Matter is trending. And when you are going in in the name of Black Lives Matter and you are harassing people, I'm not talking about peaceful protests or, um, yeah, I'm not talking about peaceful protests or protests in general. I'm talking about straight up harassing people. When you use this movement and your victimhood to go around and harass people and it's encouraging people of all races to go to restaurants and stand in people's faces and tell them why they suck. And when it's, when, it's, when it's making you have white people kiss your feet, that is demonic. That is demonic. I don't kiss anybody's feet, okay, ever. I don't bow to anyone. That is demonic. And, you know, he who has eyes, let him see. I see right through this. Um, when you are affecting all lives with this, that's when I come out and I say, all lives matter. I'm not doing this single yourselves out stuff. I'm not doing this segregating yourselves because you think that you're, you're systematically being oppressed, which I do not believe is happening in this country. You are no longer systematically oppressed in this country. You have a choice to make your life what it is. There may be one or two or three instances, but we all have challenges. What is actually systematic in this country 
it's human trafficking is systematic. Um, but, you know, when you are affecting all lives with your victimhood, when all businesses are, are burning and all people are getting harassed and white guys are getting knocked in the head with bricks just for being white, all lives matter. I'm not playing in this game. I'm not playing in this continuing to marginalize yourselves. This is a tool in the toolbox kit of the government. It's just another tool in the kit. You know, I don't need to say Black Lives Matter to prove that I'm not racist. I don't need to raise my fist in the air or carry a sign to prove that I'm not racist. I've never needed to prove I wasn't racist. I just haven't been racist my whole life. It's never been something I've had to prove. I don't need to now go in and walk on eggshells for black people because I'm thinking, oh, what if they think I'm racist? I'm not going to do that. I treat everybody the same. I treat you based on the content of your character. I don't want to go out the door with preconceived notions. You know, that what, what I, I don't want to go out the door and, and, and be like, hmm, I wonder who that person is or hmm. No, I just treat people the way they treat me, um, regardless of their skin color. Um, so going into kind of the origin a little bit of Black Lives Matter, the three founders of Black Lives Matter, um, Opal Tomati, Patrice Khan Cullors, and Alicia Garza are witches, okay? They're three witches, okay? And he who has eyes to see, I could immediately see what this is, and I cannot and will not participate. I am not one of those people that hashtags Black Lives Matter. I don't like the movement. I don't like this tool in the toolkit, this deceptive tool. I don't like it. Um, they follow the West African religion. They're part, they're part of the Omega Phi Beta and the Alpha Kappa Alpha, which, let's see, is part of Sigma Pi Phi, which is the black skull and bones, okay? It's a bole secret society that was created in the hometown of Kobe Bryant. Um, and you get into that spiritual stuff, Black Lives Matter. Well, you know, if you look into the Bible that's used for this, um, these founders, the Aoife, the Aoife, the Aoife Bible, it's a divination, it's a knowledge, power, and performance. You know, you, you, you're manipulating dark matter. This is a manipulation. Um, this really just goes down to the spiritual. Um, someone wrote, uh, I believe, is, is some articles, Dr. James A. Knoll, on the role of spirit in the BLM movement. Um, these women have not been you know, um, silent about the role of spirit in their BLM movement. Um, it's an organization that worships dead spirits. Um, there's a communist fist for the symbol. I remember one, one activist, apparently, according to Bevelyn Beatty, who I have a lot of respect for, was saying, F your Jesus. You know, a black man was attacked for having, like, something about Jesus on his shirt. Um, and they're, they're yelling, F your Jesus. Um, so, and then, you know, it goes, it goes, you know, the kneeling symbols chosen to represent um, an attack from the dark one. In, incorporating the kneeling aspect is, is part of the operandi. Um, incorporating kneeling and bowing is accessing power to dark spirits and showing allegiance. Um, this is, is, these are Masonic symbols. Um, and, and Masonic Masons worship 
Satan, you know, masonry mocks the Bible. Um, this is a psyop, you guys. It's a ritual. Um, so when you go into, if you look into Wikipedia, it says there's 16 chapters of BLM. Um, you go into the son of Virginia, because that's going into that, into those, um, those religions, those, those, those witch, those cult religions, um, the skull and bones, the son of Virginia. I need to look a little more into this, but you have a 16 pointed sun. Um, and it stands for uh, the global manipulation of 16 dimensions. You see it on the front of the CIA uh, seal as well. Um, you have you have what represents that symbol as well, and it's also a symbol of Pan, um, Pan, which is very very interesting because that's a demon of kind of like chaos in the wilderness. It's very much what we're seeing right now. And, you know, every time Black Lives Matter is trending, which I really see it every four years, you know, this is what you get. This is why I cannot and will not participate in this because I know what it actually is. Um, if you want to hear more about this interesting stuff, Bishop Larry Gators really goes in, in depth on this. You can find him on YouTube, Bishop Larry Gators. Um, and... I, I do think there's a couple more things that I wanted to say. It is a Marxist organization. It is admitted it's a Marxist organization, and one of their tenets is to dismantle the nuclear home. They do not support the nuclear home. They do not support the fathers in the home. They are against black men. If you don't support the nuclear family, you're against black men. Um, they heavily support Planned Parenthood, which, as you know, Margaret Singer... Um, started that as a eugenist um, company to kill black people and is the number one killer of black people is abortion. They want to defund the police. And I don't think anything is separate. When you hashtag it, you are supporting the movement. Um, we don't have to tell people that black lives matter to know that black lives matter. We all matter. We all stood in solidarity when we saw what was happening with George Floyd. I'm tired of putting color in the situation. Patriots come in all skin colors. We come in all skin colors. You know, um, you get judged by the content of your character. And frankly, um, I'm tired of, of the victimhood. I think there's, there's two classes of black people, as Bevelyn Beatty said. And you've got the victims, and you've got the people that just want to stay in that state of, of, of mental oppression. And then you have the other side. Um, and and that's, that's, that's just what I'm going to say about that. I think you know where I stand with Black Lives Matter. I do not stand with Black Lives Matter. I think Black Lives Matter is a joke. Um, all lives matter, meaning if there needs to be police reform, let's get that police reform in there. But, you know, I, didn't, I, I wouldn't have needed to say a white cop shot a black person. A cop shot a person, period. Um, there's no proof that it was racially motivated. And, um, yeah, and I think they need to be designated as a terrorist group. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to my first episode of Cassandra Captioned. I hope I got all the points in there for you guys. Um, feel free to send a voice message. I'll kind of figure out how that works here a little bit later. But you can always leave a message and I can bring you onto my show. And I can't wait to talk to you and with you some more. My next episode is going to be on 5G. 5G is going to be a very interesting episode. I'll keep you all 
posted with the trailer on that. And I hope everybody just has a wonderful, blessed night.